In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. Donald Trump has been indicted in Atlanta. We have so many court dockets to follow, but we haven't really seen anything yet. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution has covered every moment of this historic case. I've been writing about this investigation for two and a half years. Our team is led by reporters Bill Rankin and Tamar Hallerman. Follow our coverage on AJC.com and listen to new in-depth episodes of the award-winning podcast, Breakdown, The Trump Indictment, only from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Politically Georgia podcast, where we bring you news and analysis from all the latest Georgia shenanigans in Congress and under the Gold Dome. And today we're joined by Josh Sharp, the AJC's criminal justice reporter, who's, this is also his first time on the show. Welcome. Uh, Thank you for having me. Yeah. So we're going to talk about embattled is now the word we used before his name, embattled insurance (laughs) commissioner Jim Beck. We can't quite say disgraced yet. Um, but embattled insurance commissioner Jim Beck, who just a few days ago was charged with 38 counts of fraud and other charges related to uh, what prosecutors say was a com- complicated scheme to pilfer about $2 million of money from the insurance organization he was overseeing and funneling some of it into his campaign for election last year. Yeah, the in- the indictment uh, is rather long, obviously, at 38 counts. And um it accuses him of various kinds of fraud, money laundering, and essentially the way it, that the feds say that it worked was from 2013 until uh, August, I believe, of 2018, Beck ran this scheme on the Georgia Underwriters Association. And the scheme, according to the feds, was that Beck had friends and a relative uh, and, and I should say close friends, mm-hmm. folks he's known for 25 years, according to the U.S. attorney. He had them create uh, these four companies and then send invoices to the Georgia Underwriters Association for work that may or may not have been done. Some of the work, um, the U.S. attorney said, simply wasn't done. Some of it might have been done or might... It might have been a kind of a mix on some of it. Nevertheless, it was paid by the Georgia Underwriters. So those invoices were paid by the Georgia Underwriters Association and then was sent back to those companies. And Beck gave the companies a small cut, and he kept the rest of the money, according to the Fed. Hmm. And as you mentioned, funneled some of those proceeds into his own multi-million-dollar campaign. Into for, his own campaign, he yeah. he outspent competitors um, pretty easily, and part of that, according to the feds, is because he was using this s- stolen money. And let's pause here. Of course, he's he said he's not guilty and that he will fight right. these charges in court. He's also voluntarily suspended himself, and we'll go into that a little later. But let's talk about who he is, um, because what makes this so galling is that he ran as a reformer. He, the, the former insurance commissioner, Ralph Hudgens, who did not stand for another term, um, he did not endorse 
Jim Beck. And Jim Beck said, that's fine because Ralph Hudgens epitomizes everything that was wrong about the insurance apparatus. He was way too cozy with, with the insurance uh, industry that he was supposed to regulate. He, so Jim Beck was going to be this transparent uh, reformer who was going to come in and clean up the corruption that he saw uh, in the department. And yet he gets charged with this. Charged with corruption and charged with, he, he's not charged with insurance fraud, but it's sort of insurance adjacent fraud mm-hmm. because fraud in general, fraud in general on an ins- a company that helps uh, what they call high risk Georgians get um, get insurance. So he was um, allegedly taking money from this insurance association while he is um, running for uh, to be the insurance commissioner to basically protect people from fraud. You got it. Um, he also was a very well-known figure at the Capitol long, long before he ran. He was head of the Georgia Christian Coalition, so he was a, a, a constant presence under the Gold Dome. He was also a, a lobbyist for for other uh, causes, including the insurance industry. Um, and he had telegraphed his campaign for insurance commissioner for a long time. A lot of the uh, the powers that be had backed one of his rivals who is a former deputy commissioner under Ralph Hudgens as the go-to guy who they wanted. And interestingly enough, on the Democratic side, the the, the person who was not the necessary favorite, um, Cindy Zeldin, also lost to someone named Janice Laws, who is a lesser-known insurance agent. So you had, you had um, Beck easily win the party's nomination and kind of just pour money into, into his campaign. And, and he kind of made kind of these quirky funny ads that showed him at parks and him just around town talking right. to voters, trying to trying to relate to voters um just talking about insurance rates and and other things that, that not necessarily hyper-partisan things but you know basic things right that the ads is the thing that everybody seems to mention um you know, he, uh, uh, you know i guess he had um one that was sort of a spoof of a popular state farm ad mm-hmm. and now it sort of makes you wonder was was he able to fund these seemingly somewhat expensive ads by using this allegedly stolen money the the feds haven't yet said how much he put into the campaign through the uh through the proceeds of of the grift um but it sounds it it, it seems as though they believe it was not just a little drop in the bucket. Yeah, and our, and our colleague James Salzer did an investigative report um, a couple of days ago that showed that you know hundreds of thousands of dollars plus of of Beck's own money was spent on this campaign. So presumably, some of that own uh, of Beck's own money was was from from this alleged fraud. Could be, and I should say that the total that they alleged that he stole was uh, $2 million over the course of five years. And so we've, we've also heard from Democrats who immediately pounced on on these fraud charges to kind of paint all of the Republican Party as bereft of any ethics and, <laughs> right. and, and fraudulent. And um, we also heard fairly quickly from fellow Republicans. We have to remember... Um, he has he has close ties to some of the Republican Party, including the new Georgia GOP chair, David Schaefer. Um, his only campaign contribution in the last cycle was to David Schaefer. Um, but he's not very close with the uh, with the other sort of Republican leaders. He's certainly not close to to Jeff Duncan 
or Brian Kemp. And both of those men, the two, the two leaders of the Republican Party, um, both called for him not just to suspend himself, but to resign immediately. Right. I should say Beck's, uh, excuse me, um, the governor's letter um, asking him, or maybe more than asking him, you know. Demanding, you say. Yeah, you might even say demanding. The Kemp, Kemp's letter was very surprising to me in how forceful it was, you know, saying it basically said that, you know, these charges make it impossible for you to do your duty in this job. And it, it didn't really seem to pull many punches. Yeah, I mean, it, it, and think about it this way. When you're being accused of, as you, as you said, um, uh, insurance-adjacent fraud, and your job is to regulate and oversee the insurance industry in Georgia, it, it does make it a lot harder. Um, even if, even if you, as, as he says, he's, he's innocent of these charges, he pleaded not guilty, uh, until these charges are, are done away with, it makes it really hard to have that sort of uh, uh, that pulpit to talk about insurance regulation. Definitely, definitely. So you were there when he was in the in the federal courthouse. And, I was, yeah. and when he when he pleaded not guilty. Talk talk about that scene. Well, um, the scene was a bit surreal, honestly. Um, you know, we, I was there waiting for a while for for Beck to appear, and finally a door opened, and here comes Jim Beck, the elected insurance commissioner of the state of Georgia, handcuffed. Uh, at his wrists and shackled at his ankles. He's wearing a um, sort of a nice dress shirt and dress pants and shoes and everything, but he's in cuffs, so it's it's a bit strange, and he has to kind of walk slowly. Uh, one of our colleagues described it as waddling. Uh, I might say it's more like shuffling. But um, so he sort of shuffles up to, uh, to the table where he's going to s- sit with his attorney, and a... Marshall comes over and takes the handcuffs off so he can be more comfortable during the proceeding. And then he immediately enters a not guilty plea. And then something rather striking happened. B.J. Pack, the U.S. attorney for the Northern District of Georgia, was there himself to ask that Beck get a... uh, a cash bond as as opposed to a security bond. And this is somewhat rare for, for Pack, right? I mean, he doesn't usually show up and he'll, he'll do the press right, conference. Right. He doesn't usually argue proceedings. He is not normally in court like that. And for, in cases where elected officials or, you know, high-ranking folks are charged with something, typically they get a signature bond. And a signature bond basically is what it sounds like. You sign swearing that you will come back to court. Once, once you're released, you know, you'll obey any conditions that they, that they put on you. But B.J. Pack, the U.S. attorney, went a step further with Beck and said, basically, this case is, our case is built on one key principle, and that is that Jim Beck lied and lied and lied and lied. Obviously, Beck says that's not true, but the U.S. attorney told the judge you know, we we have evidence to show that Jim Beck lied to close friends, people he's known for 25 years, to get them roped into this scheme. And they even have a recording, allegedly, 
of Beck allegedly lying to a relative of his about this scheme. So basically, he, uh, Pack said that his that that Jim Beck's word is, isn't worth much. That was his exact words. Jim Beck's Jim Beck's word is not worth much. The judge seemed to agree to a certain point because he granted Beck a bond of $25,000 that he has to pay in cash. And once released on that, he still has conditions. One, he had to uh, agree to not handle any matters dealing with the Georgia Underwriters Association. So to recuse himself on that, on a, to re- on that part. Right, to recuse himself on that. And another thing that I thought was um, unusual was that he was ordered to seek permission from the court if he wants to travel out of state, which is quite a restriction mm-hmm. for Georgia's elected insurance commissioner. But also a sign that the judge um, is somewhat concerned about a, maybe a flight risk. Well, that's what well, B.J. Pack was was arguing that he was somewhat of a flight risk. That's why he wanted him to have to pay cash. And what's interesting in all this is is Republicans, and you haven't heard any Republicans saying this is some partisan attack against the statewide Republican official, because B.J. Pack, uh, who's been in that office for, for, for a couple of years now, is a former state lawmaker Republican from Gwinnett County. Absolutely. So, and he, he's you've seen him uh, prosecute and go after city hall officials under a Democratic administration, and now one of the top-ranking Republican statewide officials in the state of Georgia. Um, so that, that's been an interesting wrinkle in all this. This is not being seen by partisans. And I was just at the Georgia Republican convention. We should talk about it a little bit later, but no one's saying, oh, you know, the, uh, they're going after our top officials now in a partisan manner because he is seen as this, even though he's a former Republican lawmaker, he's also seen as a very bipartisan sort of, uh, uh you know, equal opportunity going after corruption type of guy. Right. Well, and if anyone had any doubt before, I, I would say they probably have less doubt about B.J. Pack and whether or not he can be fair to both sides now that he has done this. Um, now, I don't I'm not suggesting in any way that that's part of why he did it, but I think it probably will make people less skeptical. What's interesting is this had been bubbling up for a long time. We had heard rumors right. all through the election campaign of last year that there could be prosecution um, there, there could be charges. We weren't sure to the extent, but of course, we had even reported uh, on issues with um, him serving as a lobbyist and also in another another insurance-related job. Um, there was questions about an arson um, at, at one point. There was a lot of published reports raising raising concerns about Jim Beck. Uh, Democrats weren't really able to kind of leverage them in any effective manner, um, and uh, you know the insurance race took a backseat to all the other big time races, including in the most, especially the governor's race. But there was also, I remember getting a text message, I don't know, it was something like 90 days out. And there was, the, there was a common kind of understanding that if there was going to be charges against Jim Beck, they would, they would happen before three months before the election. And I got a text message from a Republican official saying, guess, guess we s- survived that scare. <laughs> um, and of course, now we have the charge, and we know that the investigation was going on throughout, as you saw in the indictment. Right. Um, what we also don't know, which is interesting, are who those pe- there were unnamed officials who were who were either duped into cooperating with with Beck or who knowingly cooperated with Beck. We also don't know the names of the companies that Beck allegedly used to 
funneled this money back mm-hmm. to himself. Um, we're working on it, um, but we don't yet know uh, uh, who they are. And the feds have been, they've been, uh, they haven't quite just come out and said what they believe about those people yet. Uh, at, at a news conference the other day, B.J. Pack was asked, are these folks going to be indicted too? And Pack said he didn't want to comment on that. He did say the investigation is ongoing. Uh, Chris Hacker, the FBI's leader in, at the Atlanta field office, said that Beck took advantage of these people. So they were victimized. He portrayed it as that, yeah. But, you know, a few seconds earlier in front of Chris Hacker, B.J. Pack says he doesn't want to talk about that and the investigation is ongoing. So it's a little bit, yeah. it's hard to parse exactly what they believe. And it's interesting they said that because this also played into another really interesting election in Georgia politics that happened the other day for the Georgia GOP chair. Right. David Schaefer who we mentioned is one of uh, one of Jim Beck's close, who was one of Jim Beck's closer friends and allies in the political world, um, was also one of the members of this GUA board. His opponent in the Georgia GOP race, Scott Johnson, not only did he immediately call for um, Jim Beck to resign, but also raised concerns about the ties between those two men. Now, David Schaefer, I spoke with him, and and so did uh, James Salzer, but he pointed to the GUA statement, which which said that the GUA was a victim here, not not some sort of complicit organization, and also noted that he, while he was on the board, he was um, he he was he, he was not in an executive role on the board. He was not a he, he was not a leader of this organization. He was simply on the board. Um, so there there were some concerns thrown out there in the middle of a very heated race that that David Schaefer could be could be tied to this and if the Georgia Republican chair could be implicated in any sort of scheme what would Democrats do David Schaefer firmly firmly denies any sort of involvement um, but hey you know there's still questions about who else would be implicated and whether or not there are victims or whether they're they're complicit right right and, and I'll say that um, Schaefer is not one of these unnamed people yeah, in he, the indictment. his initials are not yeah, in it, the indictment yeah he's not one of those people um, so we take him off of that list. And, you know, the Georgia Underwriters Association has said that no one else there was involved in this and that they have cooperated fully with the investigation and they continue to continue uh, cooperating with the investigation. And let's talk about the other fallout. We mentioned how Governor Kemp became um, the, 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 the top Republican official shortly after. It was just hours after um, the court hearing where Governor right, Kemp right. wrote that letter saying he should not just st- uh, suspend himself but resign immediately. Um, but Jim Beck did not do that. The next day, instead of resigning, he suspended himself. He voluntarily suspended himself, which triggers a whole different sort of actions. But it, what it also does is it means that he can continue collecting a salary of about $120,000 a year. Yeah, and, and health he, insurance. And health insurance. And sort of one of the, one of the, the undercurrents of this whole thing was um, – his family, he and his family and his wife rely on this on, on those state benefits and health insurance. And his wife is a cancer survivor and has gone through a lot of um, health related ordeals. And that's one of the reasons where we're told that that um, that he suspended himself rather than resign. But also he does get to continue to collect a salary until this is this is over with. Right. 
Right. Um, it also triggers action from, from Governor Kemp. Now that there's a, a voluntary suspension, he can now re- replace, appoint an immediate interim successor. Right. And we, I guess we don't yet know when that'll happen. Yeah. What we're told is that there's a lot of names out there, a lot of uh, Republican men who could be considered <laughs> uh, successors. Um, but what we're told is the administration is really looking for a different sort of face, right? Um, the, the, just about every statewide elected official, they're all Republicans, and just about every single one of them are, are, are white men. Um, the one exception is Trisha Pridemore, one of the five public service commissioner. Uh, she's, she's, of course, a woman. Um, right. So there, 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 there could be a there, – there's a sort of a search for a non-white dude <laughs> to, <laughs> to fill that post. Um, but we're not sure. We've heard a few different names, but we're not ready to report any of them yet. But there's certainly a vetting process going on right now. And this is going to be one of Kemp's first – one of his bigger early decisions because it's not that often where you get to appoint – a replacement to a statewide elected official. Absolutely. It's very rare. Uh, the, well, the last time I can remember is when uh, Nathan Deal had to appoint Kemp's replacement after he won the election and then resigned from Secretary of State's office. You got it. And before that, um, it was the appointment of Chris Carr right. to the Attorney General's office after Sam Olins was made the president of Kennesaw State University. Right. And what we've seen since then is, of course, Chris Carr stayed in that office and ran for re-election. And, and won it back in November. So these are very, um, very big deal appointments, and they'll help shape. It doesn't get that much flashy headlines, and it's not right. the sexiest of jobs, but what the insurance commissioner does is oversees the regulation of of an industry that touches all of our lives on a daily Absolutely. basis, from auto to home to fire, all these issues. Um, and he's, he's also the, the chief uh, fire Right. Official in Georgia. Right. I mean, so this is an incredibly important job that, uh, you know, needs somebody in it who can who can handle it. So. Well, Josh, thank you for joining us and thank you for watching this issue. We know there's a lot more to come from you as this investigation maybe broadens, continues either way. And we hear a little bit more from from Jim Beck. Absolutely. Yeah, we hope to get more from Jim Beck. So far, it's just sort of been. Uh, flat denials that any of this is true, but we haven't heard any explanation for how this, you know, how all of this happened. And basically they haven't given an alternate theory to the criminality. And that will be coming probably soon in court papers. Right. We'll be watching the court papers very closely. Well, that's all for this week's edition of the Politically Georgia podcast. Head to AJC.com forward slash politics to subscribe to Politically Georgia. You'll get access to our daily newsletter, along with all of our stories and updates on all things Georgia politics. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and rate us. It really means a lot to us when you do. And as always, thank you for listening. Hip hop is a product of black people. It's a product of black song. The celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents. Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants a rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. 
Our journalists at the Atlanta Journal-Constitution are working around the clock to keep you updated on all the developments surrounding the Trump indictment. Now the AJC is putting all of our coverage in one place with our new Trump 19 newsletter. Every Wednesday, you'll have our latest coverage and analysis on this historic case in your inbox. So sign up for free today at AJC.com slash indictment newsletter. That's all one word, AJC.com slash indictment newsletter.